Okay, I suppose we'll sort of start. This uh, talk is a continuation of the one I gave last time on um, the Sunyata Samsara Nexus, and the, the subject really is the esoteric symbolism. I want to give you all some understanding or a better understanding of the way symbolism works. But the talk last week wasn't finished, so we shall continue. Last week, or last month, <laughs> I was um, talking about the Junyata Samsara Nexus, and uh, it was all about the symbolism of the fall of the three into the four, which all of you now know something about. And uh, the symbol itself was a, a triangle superimposed upon a square with the triangle tending to become a square, uh, therefore forming the interlaced hexagon, which sometimes is called the Seal of Solomon. Now, this particular symbol is in many ways the symbol of the soul, but what stands above that is the, the circle, the abstract circle. And when you have the circle above the triangle, above the square, technically you have the sacred number 10. The circle itself has a, uh, is a implied triangle within it. Now, the the circle in Buddhism is, or the circle of the dot is the Dharmakaya, the triad is the Sambhogakaya, or the triad forming a square, and then the square itself that's not quite a square is the Namanakaya, or the appearance of things. And uh, so the Dharmakaya in, in the Bailey terminology is called life, uh, the Sambhoga Kaya is called consciousness, and then the Namana Kaya aspect is called the appearance, the appearance of things. Now, when the concept of a circle enclosing something in symbolism is always that which relates to divinity, that which makes divine, that which relates to the Shunyata or to the spirit, to the father aspect. And of course, here we have the father, son, mother, triplicity. The mother is the form, or that which gives birth to the form. The son is the consciousness or soul, or that which ensouls life. And the, um, the father aspect is the spirit, the monad, that is the ever-present universal one, which what monad means. However, before you get the <laughs> circle itself, you have what in the secret the doctrine, the way it starts out, is darkness alone fills the boundless all. And this darkness alone is absolute space, deep space. It is dark because there's no mind to conceptualize it, to comprehend it. No mind is evolved. And therefore, 
you can see that the middle principle, that which relates Dhammakaya to the Namanakaya, to the form, to the appearance, is consciousness. And consciousness within consciousness is the nexus of enlightenment. Now, this dark space, which is boundless all, in the terminology that I use in my book, is also called Mulaprakriti, uh, Universal Substance Matter. In the cellular consciousness I'm writing for Buddhists, um, I call it uh, Chitta or primordial chitta, meaning the universal mind or the substance of mind. It's mind that has not yet been formed or cohered into shape. And when it is circumscribed, it means that a mind has come, a mind of a logos, a deity, a Buddha, and has circumscribe a portion of that dark space into a form. And therefore, you get the, the first symbol that appears, um, which is just a dark disk. Still in Kohate, but it has been... It's Chitta, elementary mind, the most primordial form of substance you can think of. It is really the substance of the mental plane, but as dense physical, from the point of view of a Logos or a Buddha that has long evolved out of the mind substances we understand. Mm -hmm. The physical plane that we reside in is a condensation of a crystallization and then a precipitation from that. There's no such thing as time or consciousness or anything like that. Once the sphere is circumscribed, and once chitta is circumscribed, then you have the beginning of time or absolute time. When you, uh, when a logos establishes a seat of power, which becomes the dot in the center of the, the circle, um, the seat of power is a bija, a bija point. A bija is a, a, the universal atom which contains all the samskaras, all the tendencies from the past life that is to be brought into the present future. Then the mandala is established. This particular symbol, then, the dot uh, in the center of the circle, um, a circumscribed circle, is the symbol of any manifest logos, for instance, a sun, a solar system. And the outer rim is the mother aspect, and the central point is the throne or seat of the father. And there's technically nothing that interconnects them except for this dark space. The entire purpose of the manifestation of any form is to convert this elemental chitta into light. And um, light manifests as a consequence of movement. Movement, uh, moving atoms together, producing friction, and friction therefore uh, 
manifests light or heat and heat and light. That's the, the symbolism, the alchemical symbolism that is used in our philosophy. But be that as it may, the point, the central, the, the circle of the centre then stands for Logos, i.e. monad, that which is the source of light and life for all that comes from it. And what comes from it uh, is, of course, this um, interweb and hexagon that becomes this triangle over a square um, with a dotted line that um, joins the central point to it all um, and um, that we also call the Sudatma or the Antakrana, depending on which way it goes. Um, if it's um, a lifeline at Sudatman, in other words, from the, the monad down to the form, and if it's the uh, a consciousness link, then it's called an antakrana. In other words, if it's the projection upwards um, from the form uh, towards liberation. Technically, all that we really are is this monad, this um, the circle of a dot in the centre. The, the dot itself grows and it grows as the, the consciousness aspect evolves. I won't go too much in terms of monad evolution here, but what I want to uh, point out is that the mechanism of, of the generation of life, which is consciousness or mind, is the movement of the central point towards the circumference. This... Uh, is uh, the projection of the energy of the father. And in Buddhism, of course, it's symbolized as that Yabyum position of the Buddha and his consort, um, or coitus. Uh, it's the, the sexual projection. In reality, what really happens is that a spiral line is drawn um, of the movement of consciousness as it evolves through time and space. And um, so you start from the central point, the beta point, and it grows as the projection towards the circumference evolves um, to encompass more and more space. Uh, as it grows to encompass more and more space, more light is engendered and more elementary chitta is converted into light, in other words, into consciousness. This is a very, very brief summary of creation. In terms of universal symbolism, we have gone into the, the centre, the circle of the centre, the central point, the feature point, and together the, the feature point of this many, many sort of atoms there, and it's called a bindu, if it's just a singular, then it's a bija in Sanskrit. Now, the next symbol that comes to to mind is a circle with a horizontal line. Now, this is the feminine principle in nature. In the Bible, um, it is described um, in these terms, and the spirit of God brooded over the face of the waters. Um, you get um, two two hemispheres. One is the the spirit or the the masculine principle, and um, Two is the receptive feminine principle divided, um, symbolized by the, the horizontal line. Now, when 
the spiral motion begins. In other words, the the act of um, semination into the womb of the mother, then uh, in terms of the symbolism, um, you get the vertical line moving downwards. So when the vertical line moves downwards to join the horizontal line in the centre, uh, at the, the centre of it all, then you get... Um, or from the centre to the circumference, whichever way you want to go, then you get what is called the Tau Cross. The Tau Cross itself is a, a symbol of, of um, incompletion. It means that the mind has not yet formed. It's in our philosophy called the, the, the point of individualization. that was the symbol of the Lemurian root race. Uh, it is the... the nascent inception of consciousness. The Tau Cross in this particular case is an inverted one because it's going from spirit to matter. There's another one that goes from matter upwards to spirit. Uh, it depends on if it's, um, say, the individualization of a human kingdom or the formation of a human kingdom or whether it's um, a deity manifesting the act of creation. So there's one going from the form upwards, another one going from uh, the, the sky or space going downwards, if you can understand that. So when consciousness is formed, in other words, when the soul appears, then you have a sphere coming out of the Tau Cross. And this, in the Egyptian philosophy, is called the Ankh, the symbol of life. It's the spirit starting to evolve out of matter, out of substance itself. The, so the symbol of life that the, all the Egyptian gods hold in their hands is this evolved Tau crust, and it means that, it's, that um, the soul aspect has appeared and governs the form. And this is also another symbol for Venus in astrology, which is the, the mother of all nature. So the vertical line uh, dividing the sphere is the masculine principle. The horizontal line is the feminine principle. Um, when the two meet and intersect um, so that you get the plane cross within a circle, then you get the formation of a world sphere such as that of the earth. It means that um, the four, the three has fallen into the four. Um, and this particular symbol of the, the, the plane cross within the circle, it's, it's a shorthand notation of the circle standing above the triangle um, which um, integrates into square. Um, from that particular um, cross, it means that all of matter has formed. The material universe has been accomplished. It's not the ending of it all, but it has been accomplished. And this is the cross upon which, of course, Jesus was crucified. Now, if everything stands within a circle, then you have universals. You it's all cosmological. 
the realm of deity. It's the mandala of cosmos. If it is taken out of the circle, in other words, it's simply a plain cross or a straight line, then it relates to um, the world of human affairs. It relates to that which is evolving from samsara. Therefore, the symbol of the Lemurian race um, or animal man was the plain cow cross. It was not within suit um, because it was not at that stage divine, not manifesting divinity. So when the similar with regards to the, the, the fixed cross itself, if it's outside the circle, then it relates to um, the cross of matter upon which the Christ principle is crucified. If it was inside the circle, then it relates to that which is divine, namely, for instance, it's the symbol of the earth sphere itself, that which is embodied form um, of, um, of divinity, of a logos manifesting. Now, you also here have to understand direction, direction in space. It's very important. North, south, east, west. Uh, the vertical line or the horizontal line, or the horizontal line, of course, it stretches from east to west. And um, that um, goes from the heart upwards towards um, the west, which is the field of consciousness, the field of, um, of conscious expression uh, in our, we call it the field of humanity or service to humanity. So it's this way um, part to develop a mental of the mind. And anything to do with mind, its evolution, um, comes with the domain of the feminine. Now, the law of self-direction is the... The northern direction is upwards to the kingdom of God and south is downwards into the, to the field of the little ones. And that's the, the projection of semen, if you want, the, 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 the masculine principle that goes from the highest domain down to the lowest. It connects it all into unity. So these four directions, north, south, east, west, is quite important. There's a form of esoteric symbolism which in some sacred languages, when you're looking at a, a particular um, sacred text where there's symbolism there, you, you look at um, how much of any of these arms are drawn. And for instance, if there's only three arms drawn, which is say north, east and south, but not the west, or only half of the west, that means that the western direction um, is not yet empowered. Or if it pierces the circle, that means that that is the energy that is being expressed. So it is it's quite a, 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 um, a good form of symbolic language that could be um, worked out by you. Once you understand esoteric symbolism, and also, there's here yeah, only one circle. But to properly um, embody the, the, the way that um, nature manifests, it would normally have three of them. 
three concentric circles, then that um, the the outermost one relates to the the um, form, the Namanakaya. The innermost one relates to the um, Sambhogakaya aspect or the, the soul, and the central one relates to the Dharmakaya or to the spirit. And you can have um, any permutation of um, the same six cross going from, say, the, the spirit aspect of only one arm going all the way, um, say, to the western direction, and uh, another arm only going to the soul aspect. And then this type of symbolism, um, once you see it, it quite clearly tells you what energies are flowing into where, what has been developed um, by the entity concerned. Um, later you'll um, understand also the significance of colour. Now, when you add to this the, the motion of energy, in other words, the spiral of life, then you get um, any of these um, four arms or the six cross, a spiral coming from it, and then this uh, gives you swastika. And you can quite clearly see that the swastika doesn't need to be um, fully drawn. It can be partly drawn with only three arms or two arms um, coming from it. And um, once the, the direction of the energy or the energy flow or how quick the energy goes, it gives you the intensity of the energy, the direction of going, what principle is manifesting um, in the, uh, the sacred geometry. Now, if the cross falls below the circle, there you have um, the spirit rising above matter. And I've mentioned this is the sign of life. Of um, we, we give the the, the, the um, uh, deity Venus to explain this, the, the symbol of um, that which ensouls life, or that which is risen above matter. If um, in the case of, um, say, the symbol of Mercury, which has got the moon's horns on top of the circle of, um, of the spirit, then you get um, the projection of the Ida and Pingala Nadi. You get um, the symbol of the psyche, of, of the, that which subjugates the spirit. Um, and the case of Mercury is with the principle of wisdom. Um, the moon itself is a crescent. It's, um, it's um, formed through um, two arcs of a circle. One arc, one circle, obscures the other circle. So there's one circle that's the form, one circle that's the spirit. Um, they um, have an eclipse, and you get... Um, the symbol for Mercury, and it's that form spirit interrelationship um, of the moon that um, that sits on top, for instance, of Mercury's um, head, and that is the symbolism of uh, the psychic domain of the astral world or of wisdom, that which um, knowledge you obtain through developing. In what in, in the, the Hindu and Buddhist terminology called city, psychic power. And there are two lots of cities, the higher and the lower. In the case of Mercury, it implies that both have been obtained. 
the, um, the spirit has been, it has risen above matter and above that. It is um, a, a new ascent into a higher domain, a higher um, world of spirit, which only the horns show. You can see also when it comes to this particular symbol of the moon, which always represents the, the psyche, uh, the psychic. Um, it can also um, be pointed downwards, sideways, upwards, and in whatever direction is pointed, um, that gives you the um, nature of the energy or the orientation of the psychicism associated towards the west, towards the east, down towards the, the form, in which case it relates to the dark side of things or upwards towards spirit. These four directions, the swastika, the, and you can see also what I'm getting to is that you also have to look in terms of those three concentric circles to give, uh, to properly understand the diagram. But therefore, um, what I'm talking to you about is a little bit concerning mandalas, how they, when you look at any mandala, for instance, the Buddhist mandala, uh, the, the normal ones with all the geometry in it, you'll see that this particular um, set of circles is always there. Of course, you can make it all the way up to seven circles or something like that, in which case you've got the seven planes of steps. But the, the basic is the, the triad, the, the trinity, because you've got the father, son, mother. And the, the spiral motion is that, evolution of consciousness which represents the sun. The sun is evolving to come to know all and it comes to know all as soon as it meets the bosom of the mother. As soon as it encompasses the entire spiral of creation. The form which it contains it. So there you have absolute space. What it's all about is this conversion of elementary chitta, dark substance, that through the impregnation of life involves consciousness. In other words, it generates life. And this entire process of the generation of life is what the entire universe exists for. Wherever you see a, a lighted sphere, a sun, um, there you have the mandala, the, the central point. And around the central point are concentric circles of planets and planetoids revolving that makes a solar system. And it signifies that there at the center, some great being that has gone through many epochs of evolution, such as what we're going through now, has finally come to the stage where that being can manifest as a point within the center, point, um, the, the center within a circle. And um, that is, um, the purpose for that is the conversion of dark substance, this um, darkness alone that we started this talk off with, 
who have our head in cosmos and kingdom of, the, of God and our arms outstretched um, in service. Um, and for some of us, it's quite excruciating beyond this cross, um, um, serving um, gently like um, as we look downwards in, in compassion to those who we've come to turn um, to convert the dark substance of their minds into pure, unadulterated, blissful light. Wonderful, isn't it? Follow that. It's one sign from the Bible to do with that principle. But what I want to point out is that the death plus four around him makes the entire sort of symbolism of the Logos. And um, in some Christian art, you, you have around his head uh, a halo, and within the halo they often put a cross. Just to give you the, um, that symbolism um, that some esoterists have actually managed to squeeze in um, the, the Christian iconography. Now, when we go to this dark substance, um, in Buddhism, that is simply called ignorance. Yeah. And um, everything stems from ignorance. The whole wheel of the Pratika, Samutpada, the dependent origination, the 12 points of the dependent origination, stems from ignorance. And then you, you get um, their, their wisdom coming. Um, and you step off this, uh, this wheel and finally... Uh, you can get to the um, hub of it all, which is Shunkata. It's um, really, to tell you the truth, just pure light, pure bliss. It's um, indescribable um, in terms of consciousness terms because it stands beyond consciousness. Another thing to point out is that the central point within the sphere is uh, it grows, it can grow to become a square itself. Uh, becomes the square upon which a Logos sits, a seat of power. And um, it then can become, evolve to become a square within the circle. Again, symbolising the same thing. What I'm getting to here is that when you get look at the central point and you add it to the four projections outwards from the central point, the four arms of the cross. Then you get the symbolism of the number five. And everything to do with consciousness is embodied by this principle of fiveness. In Buddhism, you get the, the five genus, the five Dhyani Buddhas, the five elements, um, the five sense consciousnesses, the five senses, the five instincts, and so forth. Of course, the human being is also symbolized by the number five. Therefore, um, the symbol here is the pentagram itself, um, with the two arms, the head, and the two feet. And when you actually analyze the pentagram, you do it according to um, that symbolism, or to the five elements, and so forth, depending on the orientation of the hands. The right hand is the right element, or um, goes to the heart, the left hand is the left element, uh, the matter and goes to the form form side of things and then you get the two feet the right and the left um, one is Ida and the other one is Kangala and um, the central um, trunk is Shishumna you get the, the central triplicity um, within the fiveness as you can see now 
The pentagram, if it's pointing upwards, of course, um, relates to the head is up into the sky and relates to the gaining of enlightenment. If it's pointing downwards, the head is in the muck of, of samsara and relates to the dark brotherhood, um, to that which um, produces the form. And understand the pentagram can be within the circle of spirit. Um, so if it's within the circle of spirit, then it relates to cosmological principles. Um, if it's pointing downwards, it relates to creation, um, to that which builds the form, the projection of the fibers into matter, it points upwards, and then it stands within itself. So the symbol of consciousness are these five elements, and the five elements then manifest throughout time and space. And I think, um, even elemental chitta is uh, governed by this openness at all. And what you get with Aries is the, um, the ram's horns. And what are the ram's horns? You get the Ida um, Nadi, which is the spiral of creation manifesting from the left downwards to a central point that goes down towards um, physical space. And it's joined by an opposite um, spiral, that um, the right-hand one, that goes downwards and meets at a central point, which is the place of the generation of Shushumna, or the father aspect. And that is what um, is the beginning of space and time. You get the, the integration of two forms of energy that projects one beam of light uh, that uh, the, in reality um, the point at the very bottom of the, the horns of, of the ram in Aries is the central point of the, the sphere with the point in it uh, or the, the, the sphere of a logos um, and it indicates the, the mode of activity that um, activates or enlivens the central bija of that point, the two types of energy that come um, to create a third. Uh, Taurus, you can get, therefore, you understand now, is the spirit of matter with um, the spirit uh, aspect with the, the world of the psychic arising out of it. And therefore, Taurus is the, the sign of material comforts of of the home builder and so forth because it's the, the, the pleasurable psychic world that um, comes out of the, um, the substance of creation. And um, then you can go all the way through the signs of the zodiac with um, the Gemini being the pillars of the temple. I won't go so much into the signs of the zodiac because it's not that important at this stage. These, uh, these main symbols, it's, it's quite important to understand um, that it all leads to the fact that all that you are is a sphere, which is your head, technically speaking, and it um, contains chitta. Um, chitta has now been converted, to, uh, chitta's um, elemental mind and mental substance now been converted into manas, which is your basic mind that you use, and, um, and it has become lighted. It's a now uh, a, a sphere of light. And it, that sphere of light contains all different colorings. 
from some very murky colourings to some very, very brilliant flashes of insight that you get. And ultimately, all that you're trying to do as you live out your life, as you live out your lives, is to make that uh, sphere of um, manasic substance into a very brilliant radiatory sphere. You can see uh, the difference between where most people are at. They have a um, mind structure that's um, quite dull, dense, orange or whatever, um, all sorts of thoughts um, floating around in there. And um, the difference between that and a being that's enlightened, where um, everything is radiatory, pure light and... Um, and this, when you can attain this state, which of course you're going through all of these um, states of um, transmutation of substance or testings, as we call it, testings for initiation to produce, so that you're no longer generating uh, gross um, forms of thoughts and images, but you're producing more and more a very, very high potent, vibrant energy state in your thoughts until there's nothing that's left but radiance. And therefore, one of the definitions of an enlightened mind is just simply an illumined mind. That's the, the lowest definition. Um, a better definition is a radiant mind. One that is self-spontaneously um, generating its own light and projects it in, in a, um, well, I was going to say to the far distant space of our universe, um, it just simply radiates out um, that which it is. It's a sun. It has evolved into a sun. And at this particular point, the spirit and the matter have integrated, and all you have is a blazing ball of light, uh, the conversion of Manas. It's a, it's a wonderful the way of thinking about yourselves, is it not? Um, the way you're transmogrifying from what you are now to what you will be. When that radiance is there, in Buddhism it's called the clear light, or the clear light of mind. It's, and this again is um, the place or the, the result of the sunyata samsara nexus or connection. It is produced a mind that no longer is attached to any form. And it is um, autoluminous, self-radiating, spontaneous in response to need, and empty. It's, doesn't, there's no thoughts there. There's no substance. There's no um, images of this is and that sort of floating around. It's empty intrinsic of its own nature, it's in the, what again the Buddhists call natural state of mind. It's mind in its natural state, radiant and empty. Therefore, pure. Anything that impacts upon it is seen for what it is, automatically analyzed, deduced, um, dissected, turned into light, um, and um, that's uh, where you're going to. And you're going through all the battles to do with your lower um, um, nature, your emotions, and all the rest of that to produce 
that luminous state of an enlightened being. If you actually contact the masters and you look at their minds, their, their aura, all you can see is this radiance, um, the radiance in any of their particular ray lines. Because, of course, it's coloured according to that fundamental energy of the monad at that particular stage. And all that they're trying to do to you is to produce the same result. It's a slow process, as you can see. It's, it's not easy to convert all of that um, ignorance into radiant bliss. And uh, a blissful state it is. It's blissful because it's high, intense energy. And it's not attached to anything. Um, your misery, unhappiness comes because your mind attaches itself to transient things, to forms, to that, the things that are sluggish, that um, retain the, um, the dark substance of elementary chitta or some of the partly transformed aspects of that elementary chitta. But in an enlightened being, in a Buddha mind, in a mind of a master of wisdom, there is only that radiance. All such minds are interrelated, and together they form a mandala of liberation. Because together they are a vehicle for the transmutation of the dark substance of the space around them. The space around them, of course, is the sum total of the minds of humanity. And each one of you, as you are going through this process, lifting yourself up out of the mire um, of human substance, of common human substance, and you are transmutative agents, you are essentially transmogrifying the substance around you that is um, the human mind substance, the emotions, um, and converting it into light just by your mere um, presence amongst them because of the, the quality of the energy that comes from your minds. And as you interrelate, as you talk, you um, work with your, we use the term, the Buddhist term bodhisattva motive to convert them to convert their thinking, to convert their emotions towards greater and greater light, to produce greater and greater luminosity. So that eventually, the whole earth sphere is just one blazing sun. That is what it is going to become. That is the symbolism of the Christ, the body of light within you all. It's wonderful, isn't it? And the dark brotherhood, all that they are, is that they represent the forces of darkness. The, the, um, the forces of ignorance trying to prevent that from happening because they cannot abide in the light. They cannot abide in truth. This clear light, this radiance that I speak of, they have no conception of. They only know the darkness. So, in my book, uh, Cellular Consciousness, I've, I've called, I think I've um, described the sun as a light eater, as a darkness eater. And um, that's all we are and what we are becoming. More and more intense forms of darkness eaters. We convert the darkness into light. 
and therefore we have the term enlightenment. And all of this is symbolized in these few um, symbols I've mentioned. The, the other thing that I can and could point out, of course, is that the central dot in the, the monadic um, the sphere um, evolves into an eye. The eye itself, as you, if you look into any human eye, is a triune form. There's the pupil, the iris, and the white of the eye. And the same comes with a monadic eye. Um, at everything inherently is triune. This father, son, mother aspect. And if you look at the human eye and the symbolism there, you'll find that the pupil itself is dark. It's amazing, isn't it? There it is. As dark as, as, as the blackest space, the, the, technically the, the color of, of, of the indigo blue of space. And um, that is the portion that allows you to see. That is the point of entry of light. And the light goes through that dark space, hits the retina at the back of your eye, and um, then all the nervous um, impulses then um, send signals to the, the, um, the ocular sort of um, section of the brain that turns it all into an image and inverts it and, um, and gives you the picture that you see that comes through dark space. And um, surrounding that is an iris, which is made of many colours, many lines. And that relates to the consciousness principle. And the consciousness principle, as we've seen, is the place of the conversion of light. And then there's the white of the eye, which is the general bulk substance within which it happens. Technically, it symbolises that which is being converted. This triplicity is sometimes just simply drawn as a triangle within the circle. And that's what the triangle is. It's a, um, a convenient way of, um, of drawing this triad of interrelated forms of light, different degrees of intensity of light, with dark space at the very centre. Now, this is quite interesting, is it not? We start off with dark space, elementary chitta, and we end up with dark space, the, uh, the principle of love wisdom, the abstract space of the uh, spirit aspect. Why is that? Um, why, while well, your minds, of course, can't comprehend the intensity of the light. So it's relative dark space. The enlightened consciousness is relatively dark because we can't perceive the light, it's too intense. That's right. So it's not um, really dark space. Yes. Okay, so I, that um, goes into the, the question of Dharma care and what it is and what it is not. 